What an encouragement that is to see our youth group going forth in the strength of the Lord uh, to do a great work. Um, once again, my name is Brian Phillips. It's a privilege and a real honor to be here with you this morning. Um, if you will, turn in your scriptures to 2 Samuel chapter 22. As we conclude our sermon series, which has been such a blessing to me and I know has been in your lives as well. Uh, studying the life of David and his failures as well as his good works, all of these pointing uh, to his need for the Lord, as we'll see in this song of deliverance. Pay careful attention now to the reading of God's holy word, beginning in 2 Samuel 22, verses 1 through 51. And David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge. My Savior, you saved me from violence. I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. For the waves of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God I called. From his temple he heard my voice and my cry came to his ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations of the heavens trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He was seen on the wings of the wind. He made darkness around him, his canopy. Thick clouds, a gathering of water. Out of the brightness before him, coals of fire flamed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. He sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen. The foundations of the world were laid bare at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me. And from his statutes I did not turn aside. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from guilt. 
The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his sight. With the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you deal purely. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. You save a humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord, and my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who who take refuge in him. For who is like God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? This God is my strong refuge and has made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and destroyed them and did not turn back until they were consumed. I consumed them. I thrust them through so that they did not rise. They fell under my feet. For you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me. And those who hated me and I destroyed them. They looked, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them fine as the dust of the earth. I crushed them and stamped them down like the mire of the streets. You delivered me from the strife with my people. You kept me as the head of the nations. People whom I had not known served me. Foreigners came cringing to me. As soon as they heard me, they obeyed me. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortresses. The Lord lives And blessed be my rock, and exalted be my God, the rock of my salvation, the God who gave me vengeance and brought down peoples under me, who brought me out from my enemies, who exalted me above those who rose up against me. You delivered me from the men of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing praises to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king, And shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David, and his offspring forever. The grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before your word this morning, eager to hear from you. Lord, there's much for us to see of your greatness in this passage. Would you open up your word and show us so many wonderful things in it? Only by the power of the Spirit, we trust you that in this moment, you would come and fill us to overflowing with a joy in you and your word. Oh, help us to match the intensity of praise that David has for your great deliverance. Would we begin to see your deliverance in our lives? 
all of this for your glory, we pray. Amen. As we come to a passage like this, in 2 Samuel 22, this song, this love song, as Pastor Sheridan mentioned, of David unto the Lord. We often think about the songs that we like and enjoy. Maybe you listen to on your, your phone uh, using Spotify or Pandora or whatever it is, and you, 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 you listen to those favorite songs over and over and over again. And then you listen to the, the writer, the author of that song, tell the story behind the song. Songwriters love to do this, don't they, at their concerts. They love to explain what inspired this. What was the strong emotions that they felt they needed to write it down? Maybe it was deep sorrow, the loss of a loved one, the disappointment in life that seems so complex that the only way to really get it out is to write it down. And a lot of times that comes out in a song. Or maybe it's the, the highest joys of life that you just bubble over with joy and delight in a situation, in people. And you try to match music to those words and explain what you're feeling. In 2 Samuel 22, we notice that David comes with a heart of love and praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. 51 verses. 51 verses. And I know what you're thinking. This is going to be a long one. No, it's not. But I'm going to try to focus us into certain sections of this passage to show us just how David trusted the Lord in his life and how he praised him for the way that he has been so faithful. We come to the end of David's life. And David is reflecting back about how the Lord has been with him in the fields as a shepherd boy, on the run from Saul, in the caves. The Lord's with him in the palace, on the throne, in the battlefield. All the way, David is thinking back and saying, Lord, you have been faithful. You've been faithful. Be faithful again. David knows the deliverance of the Lord in his life. And because he knows that, he can praise him. He can lift up his voice in song from the heart, the man after God's own heart, David praises the Lord. And because you and I have a Lord who is a great deliverer, we, we must praise him. The problem is oftentimes we don't. We ask him for things, he responds, but we neglect to praise him. We neglect to match that response with a heart of thanksgiving. And we neglect to praise him aright. So we're asking the question of the text this morning, how does David do it? How does David praise the great deliverer in his life? Praises him in three ways. The Lord 
as a personal deliverer in verses 1 through 7. He's, he's my God. He's my rock. Secondly, the Lord as the perfect deliverer in his life. His ways are perfect, as we just recounted in our confession. Lastly, he is a powerful deliverer. He's a powerful deliverer who is mighty to save. David knows his own weakness. He knows that he can't trust in his own strength at this point in his life. He has seen, just as if you've read back in 2 Samuel 21, there's the chapter previous, that he's had to be removed from battle because he is at a place in his life where it's no longer safe for him to be on the battlefield. He's spared by Abishai in the midst of war. And now he's looking back over his life, saying, Lord, you've been so faithful. I need you to be faithful now. I need you to be with me. When at the end of my life, I'm weak, I'm needy. Just as I was as a shepherd boy, I'm even more so now. And David realizes at the beginning of this song, that the Lord is the focus. Yahweh, the covenant Lord, the faithful God in his life, is the focus of his life. He says there in verses 2 and 3, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge. In these first two verses, he spills over with just a list of all the images of God, a rock, a fortress, a, 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 a refuge, a shield. He's the one that protects. He's the security of David's life. David tried to find security in all sorts of places in his life. When he's on the run from Saul, one of his greatest enemies, He's trying to find security in these caves, in these rocks. No wonder he uses this imagery of the rock. He says, the Lord is my rock. He's the security, the hope, the firm foundation, the strength in my weakness. He is my fortress. You know, in our culture today, we use the same kind of language with financial, financial institutions, banks and insurance companies that try to sell you on their ability for you to trust them. Put your money into the solid rock of this company, right? Trust us. The Lord says, you can trust me as your rock, David. Put your complete faith and trust in nowhere else in your life that you're tempted to place your faith in. Place it in me, David. And that's the call of this passage to us. Even though it's a reflection on who God is and what he has done in the past, it's also a call to us this morning. Where are we trusting where are we focused in our life? Is it on the Lord? On the solid rock 
We're in lesser things. See, this is why David can say, he is my rock. He's experienced this in his own personal life. Because the Lord, the Yahweh, the covenant Lord, is his personal Lord and Savior. Yes, we see ourselves in this corporate body, in this corporate worship time. At the same time, he comes and meets you individually right where you are today as the personal Lord and Savior of your life. Yes, in this body and in the people of God. But yes, as a personal rock. You think of this image of the rock throughout Scripture. And this psalm, this song, excuse me, has images that run throughout all of the Bible. One of those that makes me think of is the way that the Lord hides Moses in the cleft of the rock when he asks to show the Lord his glory to him. And the Lord says, you don't know what you're asking, Moses. (laughs) You can't see my glory and live. So I'm going to hide you in this cleft and I'm going to pass by and you're just going to see the backside of me. David knew that sense of being hid, hidden in this cleft of the rock who is his Lord, his God. Another image of the rock is when the Lord tells Moses to strike the rock in Exodus 17 and the water comes forth. Provision for the people of God in the wilderness that points so directly and clearly forward to Christ. 1 Corinthians 10 tells us that Christ is the rock. The solid rock of David's life, of Moses' life, and of our lives. The question is, are we trusting in him? And a lot of times, the way you know if you're trusting in him or not, is whether your heart praises him or it neglects him. Either we're going towards the Lord by faith or we're going away from the Lord. And in this song, David, in his weakest point in life, is going hard, fast, and furious to the Lord. You see that in the intensity of his praise because he cries out in his weakness, Look there at verses 4 and 7. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from all my enemies. In my distress, verse 7, I called upon the Lord to my God I called. David is going to the Lord in prayer and calling out for the almighty God to work in his life. Once again, there's a story that has been popularized, a story of rescue, a story of deliverance that happened actually off the coast of Massachusetts. Many of you may have seen the movie Finest Hour or read the book. It was the greatest small boat rescue in American history, as far as I know. 1952, uh, two oil tankers off the coast of uh, Cape Cod there were caught in a what they call a nor'easter. I think I say that right. 
with gale force winds and snow and ice on the seas. The waves are crashing up against these two oil tankers. And one begins to send out the SOS or the distress signal. One was not so fortunate. The Pendleton, the oil tanker, was cut into two by the waves and the wind of the sea. The captain and part of the crew went on one part, and the rest of the crew with the engineer was on the back end. And that back end crew of 32 men were unable to really send out that distress signal. So they tried everything from blowing the horn of the, uh, of the ship, whistles, everything to get people's attention. And we know from the story that one or two of the men, fishermen on the shore, hear this oil tanker. All the resources had been going to this first oil tanker that had sent out their distress call. The others were not so fortunate. They got one small boat of just a few men to go over the, the, the bar there, going out into the Atlantic to try to save these desperate, needy men. That's the heart. That kind of distress is what David is facing. Because he says in verse 5, The waves of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol, the place of death, entangled me. What was David facing? Death. Yes, death on the battlefield and the approach of death in his own life. He calls out to the Lord. And the most profound thing is that our God, the creator of the ends of the earth, listens. He hears David's cry. Verse 7, for the, for, From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry came to his ears. Do you sometimes feel like your, your prayers don't reach his ears? If you're his, if you've placed your trust in him, he's born you again by his spirit. When you pray, the Bible is very clear. He hears. He hears you. Doesn't matter how you feel. He hears you. And he knows. And he works. In his timing, in his way, but he works. He responds. So why don't we pray more? Part of our thanklessness ends up in prayerlessness too. They're interconnected. When our hearts are full of praise to the Lord, because we've seen very clearly, maybe during the week you just see how the Lord enters in by his providential care and, and lifts you up in your distress. And does some amazing things. You're like, I didn't even ask for that and he did it. All of a sudden, prayer becomes a real big part in your life. Hopefully it won't take the distress that David felt. Maybe you're in that part today. The hope is for us that he is a personal God who listens and responds. In verses 8 through 16, very quickly, he responds in a way that we would not expect. David uses poetic language, almost apocalyptic type of language, to express the way that 
God's anger against the unrighteous, wicked people, against David. He says there, the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations of the heavens trembled and quaked. This should be a warning to us. We need to be careful what we ask for. The Lord responds when we pray. And David is trying to exalt in the best way he can with the language that he has at his disposal to say, the Lord is at work. Yes, we may not always see it, but he's at work. And all of heaven and all of earth is at his disposal. He created it all. He reigns and rules over it all. And therefore, he can meet our need. He can be trusted. He can be relied upon. David uses various images of the heavens bowing, the thick darkness under his feet, and fire and the smoke coming forth from his nostrils, the anger, the righteous anger of the Lord against the unrighteous who are coming against David. But David then moves in verses 17 through 20 into deliverance. He praises the Lord as his deliverer. Look there at verse 17. He sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from the strong enemy, from those who hated me, from those who were too mighty for me. David recognizes that these many waters, these waves of death that were approaching in his life were too much for him. You and I know that full well in our lives. The circumstances that we face today and this week are going to be too much So why do we keep trying to do it in our own strength? David knew his weakness, but he also knew the character and the love of God who is mighty to deliver him. Strong to lift him up out of the many waters. Strong to go against the many enemies that he faced, whether it was Saul or the Philistines, or his own son. He sustained him. He's the one in verse 19 that says, the Lord is my support. The Lord is the one who has supported me all these many years, and he will not stop supporting me. He will put me into a broad place where my foot will not slip. He's the one that rescues And he's greater than that small little boat that goes out into the Atlantic Ocean. He's the mighty God of the universe. And this amazing statement of David in verse 20 really jumps off the page at us. He says, he rescued me, not because I was great, not because I was king, Not because I had many victories throughout the years. Because he delighted in me. It makes you think of Deuteronomy chapter 7. The way that the Lord chooses Israel. 
It wasn't because they were great in number. It wasn't because they were mighty. It's because God is mighty and that he pours out his love on needy people like you and me. He's gracious to delight in us in our weakest spot. You see, Brian, that's easier said than done. I, I really don't like my weakness. I don't like that I have limitations. <laughs> I don't like that I can't meet the standard all the time. That's the whole point. That's the whole point of the gospel message that we come here this morning to hear. Is that we fall short. Yes, we do. But he never did. He's a great deliverer. Yes, we have more than just a little bit of shortcomings. We have major sins, just as David did. We saw that throughout this series, didn't we? It wasn't that he was perfect, because he wasn't. And even when he says in the next verse, the Lord deals with me according to my righteousness, wasn't because he was perfect. He had failed with Bathsheba. He had failed with Uriah and murder. He had failed with his own family, which was in many ways a disaster towards the end. He had failed with the people, and he will fail in chapter 24 with the census, a big failure. But the Lord is the one who is gracious to David. He delights in David. He rejoices over David. And we think of this language of delighting in David, delighting in his chosen one. Doesn't your mind go to Lord Jesus Christ? Isaiah 42, 1, as the chosen servant of the Lord, the one that the Spirit of the Lord is poured out upon and fills. And Jesus in Matthew 12 stands up in the congregation of the assembly in the temple and reads Isaiah 42, that the Lord delights, the Father delights in the Son. This is fulfilled in your hearing. That's what he said. And the Lord delights in his people. The Lord delights in you. And maybe you need to hear that afresh this morning. To be encouraged, to be renewed in that. In your weakest point, he delights in you. Well, the Lord is perfect in his deliverance. And he's perfect in all his dealings with David. He says there, the Lord deals with me in verse 21 through 25, according to my righteousness. In verse 24, I was blameless before you and I kept myself from guilt. And the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness. And when we read this, we kind of halter because we know David's not perfect as we just said. And yet David stands up and says, he deals with me according to my righteousness. So if David's not perfect, then what does he mean by blameless? What does he mean by righteousness? Simply put, David is walking in some semblance of obedience to the Lord. 
He has kept his ways. He has not departed wholeheartedly from the Lord, but wholeheartedly going towards the Lord. In other words, when he means he's blameless, doesn't mean he's without sin or sinless perfection. He is meaning his whole life direction is directed towards the Lord. And by God's grace, yes, he's walking in a measure of obedience. This is not devoid from the gospel of righteousness by faith in Christ alone imputed to us in justification. It is directly connected to that, that the life of the believer, the one who is united to Christ, will live by faith and obedience. And David says, by God's grace and by His Spirit at work, all His help, He's dealt with me according to my righteousness. And He's rewarded me. The Lord is not only gracious to David, but He says He's merciful to all. In verse 26, with mercy you show yourself mercy. With the blameless you show yourself blameless. With the pure or purified, you deal purely. But with the wicked or the corrupt, you deal torturously. Then we begin to see also this contrast between the righteousness and obedience of David and those of his enemies, those wicked, whether it be Saul or whether it be the Philistines or so forth and so on. The contrast of the man of God after God's own heart who is walking in a measure of obedience. And the Lord says he rewards that. Yes, the Lord is perfect. In verse 31, in all his ways, the word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. He deals with David perfectly, just as he deals with his enemies perfectly in judgment. He deals with David with grace and mercy and meets him in his need. We come this morning wondering, is the Lord going to be gracious again? Does he know what I have done this week that has been an offense, there is no way I would want him to deal according to my righteousness. That's why you can come this morning into his presence and know that it's a safe place to confess our sins and to say, Lord, you know me from the inside out. And I know and trust your ways are perfect. I trust in you. I trust in you. And I praise you for your grace through Christ alone in my life. Finally, David shifts from the personal deliverer and the perfect deliverer to the powerful deliverer. The rest of the section you would think would be all about how the Lord mightily deals with his enemies with one fell swoop. But David uses the rest from 32 to 51 to show how God works in his life. Deliverance. For who is God? 
verse 32. The Lord, and who is a rock except our God? This God is my strong refuge. Once again, he's echoing this image of the rock and refuge. And the Lord is the one who empowers. Look there at verse 40. For you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise up against me sink under me. David recognizes, yes, I am weak. But in Christ, in God, ultimately looking to Christ, in God I am strong. That's what Paul said, wasn't it? In Christ, I find my strength. In him and in him alone. That is what David is saying. You have strengthened me. You have empowered me. You are a powerful creator and you're a powerful deliverer who is strong to work in your people. He is the one that empowers David in this great deliverance. And David recognizes that all of this deliverance comes from the Lord. It comes from the God who is powerful and mighty to save. He is the one that gives victory. In verse 44, you are the one that delivered me. You are the one that has saved me. He's a perfect deliverer, a personal deliverer, a powerful deliverer to save. Look there at the last two verses. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing praises to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed. The Lord is exalted in this song of David as the great Savior of all. Isn't this just like the Lord? To come in our greatest need and to deliver us? To come and bow the heavens and come down? Hasn't He shown us that He's a powerful deliverer? In the person and work of Jesus, Paul reminds us in Colossians chapter 1, He, the Lord Jesus, has delivered us from the dominion of darkness, darkness of our own sin, darkness of death, and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Do you see that this coming deliverance was not just a common providence, as Matthew Henry says. But it came through covenant love. I love that. It came through what he says in verse 51. You showed steadfast love to your anointed. This has said love that we've learned about in our time together, Sunday after Sunday, seeing that this love, this covenant love, has pursued David all his days. And now to the end of his life, it has come for him. And delivered him once again. And we see that. Ultimately culminating in the great deliverance of his people in the Lord Jesus. As he hangs on that cross bearing our sin and shame. 
being buried in the grave and being raised to newness of life and ascended to the heavens because he delighted to deliver. This morning, you may not know that deliverance. You may not be able to praise like David does. Just know. Know this morning that our Lord is mighty to save. And when we come to him in our weakness and sin and shame, and we confess it before him by faith, he is eager to save. His arm is not too short. It's always mighty. And for those who do know the deliverance of the Lord and see it day in and day out in your life, will you not praise him for it? And the rest of this service, would you fix your mind and your heart on him? For he's the great deliverer. And he's coming again. Coming on the clouds to bring in the fullness of his kingdom in the new heavens and the new earth. And we'll know. And we'll praise him forevermore. As the king of kings and the great deliverer. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, your word. It is so encouraging to our hearts and we pray that you would drive it home deeper and deeper. There's so much more to explain and to expound. And yet you are faithful to say what needs to be said and to hit our hearts where it needs to be. Convicted and comforted by your grace. We praise you as our great deliverer. In Jesus' name.